this Christmas season, we're diving into a brand new series of talks called Fresh Eyes. It's looking at the Christmas story in a brand new way, in a way that pulls it from fantasy into real life. We're going to look at how to deal with unexpected plot twists, how to change your life from the inside out right now. We're dealing with those really big questions in life and understanding that sometimes the answer isn't a thing, but it's a person. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn in them to uh, Luke chapter 2. We're going to continue the series that we've started called Fresh Eyes, gaining a new perspective through the Christmas season. And uh, we've talked before uh, last week about Mary and Joseph and some of the chaos that was ensuing around the beginning of the Christmas story. And today we want to look at a few other things. We're going to look at a group called the Shepherds. And the title of my message this morning is Look Up. Everyone just say, Look Up. It's good to be in church. Yesterday, I was trying to get through an eight-year-old basketball game without a fight breaking out. Sports get real, people. But God is greater than that. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 14. says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. I'm going to pause right there. You know, it's just, you know, as if there's not enough going on in life. Joseph's like, you know, pregnant fiance trying to explain that to people. It was God, not me. That whole fiasco. And now, you know, they're going to take a census and now we have to travel. And the Bible's so nice and descriptive when it says she was obviously pregnant. I mean, whoa. Like, that's like your wife saying, do I look big in this? Like, I'm obviously pregnant, but you know, it's just, it's just a bad situation for Joseph. I had a youth leader once that came up to my wife and was like, Brandy, you're the hugest pregnant lady I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, that is why you're not married, my friend. Brett. Brendan asked who it was. It's always Brett. Well, here we are, road trip, pregnant fiance, misunderstood, life's a little chaotic. Now they're traveling to Bethlehem. And it says, he took with him his fiance Mary, who was obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. So she gave birth to her first child, the son, wrapped him in snuggly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is please. Can we just say the title of the message one more time? Look up on the count of three. Three, two, one. And I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. 
one more time that you are speaking to us. And God, I just pray that this word would make its way from our head to our heart, that we might be able to experience a new dimension or afresh again, God, who you are to each and every one of us and to the people that we interact with day in and day out. So we ask that you would come speak to us in Jesus' name. And by the grace of God, let the Oilers overcome the flames of hell tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You know now that I've prayed for them, they're probably going to lose like 8 to 2, right? Like that's probably, that's just what happens. But, you know, perspective is a funny thing, and Christmas is an amazing time to be alive and to experience joy with other people. And if you've known me for any amount of time, um, when you look at me and you tell me some exciting news, uh, my face right now, this is my excited face. I'm probably about as excited as I get right here, right now. It's so bad that it's gotten to the point where my wife won't even buy me gifts anymore because she could probably buy me a card and be like, oh, thanks, dear. That's awesome. I love it. And she's like, what's wrong with you? Are you dead inside? Do you not get excited about anything? I'm like, no, I get excited about Jesus and my kids and family. That's about it. Like everything else, I'm like, yo, it's great. Awesome. Like, yeah, I like new car. I'd probably be the person that'd be like, uh, you got me, uh, you know, whatever. You got me a Corvette. Why didn't you get me a Cadillac? You know, like, I don't know. I probably would have said something stupid like that. Like, and, and I, I don't get overly excited. But what I do love is that when I, at Christmas time, get to see how excited my kids get or how excited my wife gets. Because uh, unlike me, my, my family, uh, I wouldn't say they're more emotional than me because I'm probably a pretty emotional guy. But I'm not a very excitable person in that sense. But when I give my daughter a gift, I have like a six-minute video of her when she was like four, four or five years old. And she got an American Girl doll screaming in Chuck E. Cheese for like eight minutes. Like just off the walls, excited, right? Like, and that brings a smile to my face as a dad, when my boys get a new hockey net and hockey sticks and they're so excited that they're going to be able to play, I'm excited seeing their faces until I realize it's going to take me two hours on Christmas Day to build the dumb thing so they can actually play, right? Note to self, always beware of what you buy your kids because it'll dictate the amount of time you spend on your Christmas break setting up toys. Because I was not smart enough to do it before and just put it in the garage already set up. So I brought it to my dad's house and I made him help me do it. <laughs> Grandpa did that. You know, and, and so we can talk about things that excite different people. And it amazes me how uh, time and time again there's toys that come out that kids go nuts over, right? A couple years ago it was, what, those fingerling toys and you couldn't find them anywhere. Now everyone's trying to sell them this year and you can't, nobody wants to buy them. This year one thing that I found kids are really loving, grandparents, parents, if you're listening, get a Squishamello. If you know what that is, it's just this big, giant, ugly pillow type thing that's got some sort of weird memory foam chemical in it that kids love. And uh, my kids flipped out when they saw them in Costco. It's like $13. And I'm like, this is dumb. It looks ugly. It's a rainbow unicorn pillow that's squishy, right? And, and, and they flip their lid over the craziest things. These crazes and craves, they come and go. But one one gift that's on the all-time Christmas gift list is this thing here that we're going to look at. How many people remember the Viewmaster? How many people are under 25 and you have no clue what this is, right? Like you're... <laughs> A 
Viewmaster is like your primitive VR headset that uh, you guys are all looking at now. And uh, I mean, the Viewmaster was amazing because you now all of a sudden had a toy that wasn't just for the kids, it was for the adults. And you could see landscapes and you could see sights and you could see Mickey Mouse and Pluto. And you didn't have to wait for it to come on once a week on uh, Sunday night. What was that with Disney? Wonderful World of Disney, Sunday night following Davy Crockett, something like that. These are the things I remember from my childhood. And it happened once a week. But now, now you can see your favorite fairy tales and characters and things come to life anytime you wanted. If you had, if you had more than three discs, I mean, man, you were like the kid with the Xbox or the PS4 or the Nintendo Switch when everyone else is like, my parents bought me a Super NES still, right? And, uh, you, know, if, you know, they were a thing that people went nuts over because it changed your vantage point. You could look up and you could look through this toy and you could see something different. And, it, and really what it did is what all media and things do right now is it takes your eyes off of what you're currently dealing with. Where you're at right now, it transports you to a place that is different than what your life is like in the present moment. And, and so this toy was always, and it's always been on the top selling toys list for years and years. And it's because it changed your perspective. You didn't have Google. You want to go take look at a picture of some building across the world now. Kids just on their phone, well, I can Google that. Like, why do I care what it looks like, right? I can pull up 50,000 pictures right now. But this wasn't available then, and it, was, it gave you a glimpse and a perspective into something different. And our perspective as humans, when it comes to our life, is very important. Because the perspective that we carry actually has a lot of weight in how we will respond in the future. See, our lives are made up of experiences, our pasts. Our relationships, our struggles, our joys, the realities of life all come together. And what they begin to do is shape a perspective that ultimately, ultimately have a power to, to, a power to influence how we respond, step into our future. And why is this so important, though? We're talking about Christmas. Shouldn't Christmas be nice and baby Jesus and lights and Christmas trees and all those things? And it should be. But I think we come to Christmas year after year, and one of the things that we need to realize when we experience this season is that maybe, just maybe, Christmas comes every year to give us a fresh perspective that goes beyond our day-to-day -day life. You see, why is this so important? Why do we have to look at this? Well, it's important because of this. Because how you view life, how you view your life, is how you will do your life. It will dictate how you do your life. Your view of life based on your past experiences, your current relationships, your difficulties, your joys, how things are going right now in all areas of your life, your view of that has the power to dictate how you will do life tomorrow and how you will respond to the things that you encounter. And I would go a little bit further and even take it into a step where we could say this, perhaps this morning, when we're in church and we want to talk about Christmas and the Christmas story, and maybe we've heard it a million times because we've come to church on Christmas and Easter since we were a little kid, and maybe a few other Sundays in between, but, you know, we've heard this story before, but maybe our perspective needs to be shaken a little bit because how we view God actually will shape and determine how we respond to him this week and next week or whether we want to respond at all. 
our view of God that we've had in the past, through our situations, through our circumstances, it all will shape and dictate how we walk out tomorrow when we do life in the future. So our perspective is important. And we encounter a group of guys in the story called the shepherds. And when we come to them in this story, I believe Christmas is a story where we are interacting with and we intersect the story of God for humanity. Christmas is the culmination of the story of God through Scripture and how He is at work and we're a part of that story. If you don't understand the Bible, understand this one thing. The Bible is the story of God and His relationship to mankind and we are all a part of that story. No matter where we are at today, God is doing something and He's at work and we're a part of that story. And Christmas is a time where our focus can shift and we can see God in a new light. But much like the shepherds, I would venture to argue that we are not looking up to see what God is doing, but rather we're caught up and we're preoccupied with looking at everything around us and the things we have to deal with in the day-to-day. And this is not a negative thing. This is just a human thing. This is where we're at. Luke chapter 2, verse 9 to 14 says, suddenly. Everyone say suddenly. Now, if you're camping... And you're having a smoky and a s'more and something to drink with your friends. And you're in the middle of a field and nowhere and you're surrounded by sheep. And suddenly the sky lights up with an angel. You know, I'm pretty sure it'll grab your attention. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. Like, no kidding. Right? Like, nobody... Like, if you aren't terrified when an angel appears and you're having a campfire with your friends, I'd be a little concerned about where you're at in your life. (laughs) You know, I would just be like, who are you? Like, they were terrified, it says. It says, but the angel answered and reassured them, don't be afraid. Seems simple enough. So I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now, these are important words. When we look at Christmas, I think the operative that we need to get back to when we tell the story of God and the story of Jesus coming to humanity, we need to remember good news, great joy for all people. No one's too far off. It's good news for humanity, and it's supposed to bring us joy. Now, joy doesn't mean it makes us happy all the time, but it brings us a peace and a joy that surpasses so many things of this life. But we've got the message that sometimes people, they hear Christmas, and it's like, oh, it's all cute that baby Jesus came at Christmas time, and we'll go to church then. But they're going to invite us back at Easter, and all of a sudden they're going to put someone on a cross, and it's going to get brutal, and it's going to get violent, and and the Christians are just going to get judgmental. No, 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 that's not what we're looking at here. The whole story of God, good news, great joy for all people. It all leads to that. And it says this, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in snugly strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by vast hosts of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom with God is pleased. Now, if you weren't afraid in the first place, when the armies of heaven start joining you in singing, I mean, that's a pretty big uh, encore to the whole one angel, don't be afraid thing. But because it comes with peace, favor of God, good news, great joy for all people, all of a sudden the shepherds have had an encounter 
with God that causes them to look up rather than look at. And for many of us, this is where we're at. Much of, a, much of us live our lives in the day-to-day like the shepherds. Sometimes we're not thinking about what God is doing, what he wants to show us, and that's okay. But every once in a while, God wants to get our attention. He wants to bring us back to a perspective that he is at work no matter what is going on in our lives. What are the shepherds doing up to this point? They're probably doing what shepherds do. I don't know what that is. They have a staff, and they have a rod, and they lead sheep. And they clean sheep, and sheep smell. And then they're sitting around a fire, and they're probably watching out for predators, trying to make sure no one comes and steals their sheep. They're shift workers. They're out in the field. They don't get to go home and see their family every night. Someone has to stay, and someone has to make sure things don't implode or or explode. So for many of us here, when we go out to the rigs and we work on a shift, you know what it's like when you're sitting there and you have to work night shift, and you're wondering, I wonder what my family's doing back at home. I can't wait till I get home next week and I get to see them and spend some time with them. This is the life that the shepherds are leading, and that these are the things that they're doing. And that's not a bad thing. But because they're so busy looking at their surroundings, worrying probably about their finances, where that's at, are my relationships good, how are things going at home, all of this stuff. We can get very preoccupied with what we're looking at. But every once in a while, I believe God wants us to stop, pause, and look up and see fresh what he's doing. And this is what Christmas does. Christmas is really the story of all of us, where God wants to come, and intersect our lives and cause us to get our eyes off of all of the stuff and just have a few moments where we see what he's doing. You know what it's like leading up to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the shopping, the running around, hoping you have enough money, wanting to spend more than you actually have, grieving that fact, you want to bless your kids. Like, we do these things. We go through all these things. Got to get to Christmas Eve service. Don't yell at each other in the car too much because we have to look like a nice family on Christmas Eve and all this. Like, come on, you've been around church for any time. You know it's real. You've been there. But all of that happens. You get to Christmas Eve service, some of that. Something subsides when you get quiet with your family and you look at your kids and you look at your parents and you look at your friends and your life and whoever you do that quiet time with. And for some people, Christmas is hard. You get to that point, and, and, and isn't there a moment of gratefulness? Of like, man, I wish life could be like these three days, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day. We're not worried about work, and I'm not worried about all the running around, where I'm just sitting. I'm just looking at the good things in my life, and there's this new awe, and there's this wonder. And I believe that God builds these seasons into our life. And I believe Christmas is a story that involves us to a place where for just a moment we we shift our focus from all of those things and we get a chance to say, God, what are you doing in all of this? I know I sit around at Christmas time and I and I look at my kids and like, God, what are you gonna do in their lives? Like I love these moments. I know I'm a little uptight and I get wound up leading up to all these things, but the moments when all this stuff is done and I can just sit. And I can just enjoy. Maybe I'm not even interacting that much, but I'm just watching them. I'm enjoying that moment with them. And and Christmas is the story of God that we're all included in. And we come to this place where I think God is just asking us to look up with fresh eyes and see him in a new way. Because we are so busy looking at all the things around us, sometimes we miss it. And 
And, and I believe that some things happen when we actually begin to look up instead of look at what's going on around us. Everybody say, look up. I think when we look up, three things begin to happen in our lives. The first thing is this. When we look up to see what God is doing, we actually are able to see that God is for us. When we are in the throes of life, when we are in trials, when we are in struggle, when we are simply just in busyness, maybe life is good, but it's hectic, it's chaotic, it's busy, we don't know, know what's going on all the time. Maybe we're not even looking for God in certain moments. But when God gets our attention and we look up, I believe that God wants to give us a fresh perspective that shows us he is for us. He is for us. Isaiah 7 verse 14 says this, All right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. I mean, I always read these scriptures, and I'm like, I thought they named the baby Jesus, you know? And then the scripture, like, Emmanuel, like, Greek, Hebrew, study it out, it all works, but Jesus came, but his name means Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And I can tell you this, that if God is with us, it means that he's for us. I think that this Christmas, my hope and my prayer is that we take a moment to encounter God and look up and actually realize and believe for the first time or fresh in our hearts again that God is for us. You see, because some would say, well, if God is with us, does that really mean he's for us? Yeah, because you're not with someone. You don't spend time with someone. You don't do life with someone that you're not for. As humans, we check out, we stand at a distance, but God didn't do that. God didn't stay in heaven and look at a lost and broken humanity and say, well, they're going to have to work this out. They sinned. Now this story is unraveling. They better figure out how to fix it. He goes, no, 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 no. I am so for them and for a relationship with people that I choose to be with them. Can you imagine that? God who lives in perfection said, I will send my son into a world that is lost, broken, and imperfect because I so desire to be with people, and I'm so for them, I'll even walk the life that they walk and have to walk. God is with us. He's for us. Luke, uh, John 1, 14 says this, So the word became human, and he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. See, if God is with us he's for us he came and he made his home among us and it doesn't say he came and made his home among us so he could judge us and tell us how bad we are we ran that train off the tracks a long time ago the story of god way back in genesis our humanity our brokenness our sinful nature all that stuff it's all been there as a part of it but god says i love them so much and i'm so for them i'll even be with them through all of that and it says that he came in unfailing love and faithfulness. Do you want to know how faithful God is to his people and his creation? He's so faithful that he would even send his son to live in a humanity of brokenness rather than say, well, I'll leave you with all the laws and work it out on your own, and those of you that are good enough, you'll make it. That was the Old Testament, but God said it's not working. I need to be with them. I need to walk beside them. I need to show them that I love them. And so when we look up, I pray that we get a fresh perspective this morning that says, God, I'm so glad you're for me. 
in all the stuff that I'm dealing with. Yes, God, I've been preoccupied with looking at my family, with looking at my job, with looking at all this stuff. But I just pray that we would take a moment this Christmas season and get a fresh perspective and fresh eyes to say, God, I'm thankful that you're for me. Because when we start living out of a God who is for us, if we look up and we realize that he's for us, we actually also then realize we don't need to be afraid. Many of us are fearful, fearful of coming close to a relationship with God because we are afraid that we will face not measuring up, not being good enough for him, being judged by him, and not being accepted by him. And we can sit back and say, well, no, I know, but the Bible says, no, 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 but it's in the way we act and it's in the way we move. I've, I've known of God and walked in church and in relationship with God most of my life, but I'll tell you, there are still days where I'm like, God, I don't know if I want to set aside time and do my devotions because I feel like such a failure. Do you still love me? Maybe I just have a personality complex and I'm insecure in those things, but we face these things as humans and emotions and, 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 and we, we have moments and times like, God, I don't know if I can do what you've called me to do. God, I don't know if you'll receive me like you receive them. But when we look up and we see that God is for us, we begin to believe, well, if God is for me, do I have to be afraid of him? And the answer is no. We begin to realize, like the shepherd, the words of heaven will come back to you and saying, do not be afraid. So suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of his glory surrounded them and they were terrified. Many of us are terrified when God wants to encounter our lives, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news, great joy, all people. Come on, that includes you. Good news and great joy for all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but to save it. We all know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he, uh, I don't know it, obviously. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then we stop there. See, if you believe in Jesus, there's no more judgment, this and that. And he says, no, 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 verse 17. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but to save it, for we were already under judgment. And as God comes and we encounter him, we look up and we realize God is for me. I don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of coming to God and saying, God, I fall short. I'm a sinner. I know that. But God, would you love me? Would you receive me? His answer emphatically to that time and time again is yes. Yes, I love you. Yes, I'll forgive you. Yes, I'll walk with you. Yes, I want a relationship with you. I want to bring you good news that I took your place, that I died in your place, that you don't have to live this way. You don't have to live fearful of God's judgment anymore because you can live in a relationship with Jesus and a God who loves you and leads you day in and day out. Fear is one of those things that, sure, sometimes it keeps you alive, but most of the time it just holds you back, right? I mean, I don't need to go bungee jumping or skydiving because my fear of that is simply going to keep me alive. But I mean, my fear of getting hit by a car shouldn't hold me back from crossing the street to go to 7-Eleven and having a Slurpee in the middle of winter. You know, like, whatever it is that you want to do, but you're afraid to do. And many times we approach our relationship with God like that. But we don't have to be afraid because God's with us. He's for us. 
You think Mary and Joseph were fearful? Man, I think about if I had to go through what Mary and Joseph went through and the misunderstanding of carrying a child that's from God, it wasn't really us, and all this stuff. Like, that didn't go away when Jesus was born. They were called to live a life of being misunderstood. Don't you think they feared what their life would look like? But guess what? God says, no, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I won't forsake you. I'm for you. And so they were able to walk out and fulfill his call on their life. And you can't stop short in the call of God on your life or the things he's asking you to do or coming clean about things and laying them at his feet because you're afraid of what might happen. No, because he's for you, you don't have to be afraid. And he wants to lead you and he wants to guide you and he wants you to live in freedom, not in fear. Everybody say, look up. When we look up, we can see that God is for us. When we look up, we don't have to be afraid anymore, but maybe... Maybe, just maybe this morning, when we look up, we might be able to see hope and not only our circumstances that we've been looking at. So often, we, we struggle with a lack of hope, we struggle with discouragement, we struggle with not seeing or not knowing because we're so focused on what we're looking at, but maybe today, maybe this season, we should just say, God, if I look up, would you show me again the hope that I have in Jesus? Because I promise you, when you start looking up and you start seeing the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. See, hope has a name. Hope is not this idealistic thing. Hope is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And he will lead you, and he will guide you, and he will carry you through anything and everything that you have to face in this life. But when we fail to see hope, we lose our vision and without vision people perish and the things that we're looking at they start to take us out and they start to kill off pieces of our life and we don't know how to live anymore but when we look up and we see the hope we have in Jesus those other things they don't always go away but they seem to fade into comparison of how great he is and who he is church this season I believe that God is bringing us into Christmas with fresh eyes because he wants us to look up he wants us to see in a new way he's for us. You don't have to be afraid. There is still hope to be found in Jesus. But there's also something that we have to do. But not even have to do, we get to do. It amazes me that when the shepherds looked up, it says this, it said, when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about, and so they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger, and here's the shepherds, they run to Bethlehem, they pursue the hope of Jesus, and everything changes. And when we look up for hope and we look up and saying, God, show me the hope I have in Jesus, when we start pursuing that hope, the things we're looking at don't seem to be so big and our perspective begins to change. But even after that, when we look up and we experience hope, we start to carry things different. We start to live different. It says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone. Everyone say, everyone. That's your job, tell everyone. No, that's not your job. It's kind of daunting, hey? Tell the message of Jesus to everyone. Go to West Edmonton Mall, you're like, I can't, I can't even. No, no, no. 
It says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept these things in her heart, her heart and she thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. This Christmas season, can we praise and glorify God because we realize he's for us. Because we learn to live out of a relationship with Jesus, not dictated by fear. Can we praise and glorify God because we pursue the hope that we have in Jesus, not just get stuck on all the circumstances and all the stuff. And when we do that and when we experience Jesus, I, I, I was reading this and I just thought, maybe, just maybe. Maybe God doesn't appear as an angel in the heavens. Maybe God's not going to have an angel show up on ice time at the local rink when a group of guys are playing shinny. But maybe he sends us there. Maybe he sends a light of heaven in each and every one of us to the places that we go and the hope of Jesus Christ that we have shines through. And maybe, just maybe, Christmas is a season where when we look up and we understand our relationship with God, other people start to look up and they see the hope that we have and the joy that we have and the peace that we found in Jesus and we become the thing and the person and the vessel that causes others to look up and wonder, maybe I could have that too. Why don't we stand this morning? We're going to sing this song, but I challenge you this week. As you approach Christmas, say a prayer in your heart that says, God, help me to see that you're for me in a new and real way. God, show me the fears that have been holding me back and help me to realize that I don't have to be afraid because you are leading me in that area. And God, whatever I have to face tomorrow, the next day, and the weeks to come, would you show me afresh the hope that I have in Jesus and how all this stuff that is temporal is not nearly as important and as wonderful as the hope that I have in Jesus. Can I tell you, I don't think it's a mistake that you've been listening to this. We all go through things, we all wrestle with things, but those things in your past, they don't need to define you. So if I could encourage you of anything today, take what you've heard, put into practice, give it all to Jesus. We're here for you. If you want to connect with me, my personal email is brett, B-R-E-T-T, at engagechurch.ca. I'd love to pray with you. So thank you so much for taking your time to listen. Have a great week, everybody.